Hey, business owners, ever wondered what happens when you take a payment? Well, there's a whole world of transactions powered by Elevon. Whether it's through currency converting, security asserting, business supporting, real-time reporting, e-com providing, or expert advising, <laughs> Elevon supports all payments for your business. To find out more, visit elevon.ie. Elevon, your world of payments. Elevon Financial Services, DAC trading as Elevon Merchant Services, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The Big Tech Show brought to you by Elevon. Elevon makes payment taking simple, freeing you up to focus on your business. You take on the world, they'll take care of the payments. See elevon.ie for more. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of The Irish and Sunny Independent. And this week we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and we're going to talk about what we should be doing in it and whether we are falling behind and the pros and the cons and dangers. And I'm joined by an expert in all of this, Dr. Stefan Hoyman, who's a member of the management board of SNV, which is a nonprofit think tank working at the intersection of technology and public policy and Germany. And he's in Dublin to speak to the Institute of International and European Affairs about how Europe can position itself in the global AI race and whether we're falling behind the US and China and what our particular challenges are. Um, Dr. Hoyman, you're welcome to the Big Tech Show podcast, first of all. Thank you very much, Adrian. Can I put to you something that I read um, in an op-ed that was written by a couple of AI uh, academics in uh, in Euronews recently. So this is by Aline Shivo, a senior policy analyst at the Brussels-based Centre for Data Interve- in Innovation, and Daniel Castro, director of the Centre of Data Innovation uh, and vice president of the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. Do you know either of those, by the way? I've seen their report. Okay. They're essentially saying that we're getting it wrong in Europe, that instead of focusing on the development of AI and machine learning itself, that the EU and Europe is instead looking more at values and ethics. And they say that this is a naive perspective, especially given that China is not only fiercely competing on developing AI, but also aspiring to dominate industries. And really what they're saying is that we're we're faffing around a bit too much in prioritizing ethics and values in AI. What, what do you think of that? I think they are overstating it a little bit. Um, mm. I do agree that we need to invest much more in our own capabilities, in our own research capabilities, development, um, and the ability to commercialize you know, startups. There's been a long discussion that, um, especially also in, in, in Germany, um, where I'm from, that we are not good enough at um, you know getting new innovations into the marketplace. So there's definitely um, a big challenge, and um, we need to look at that very critically, our shortcomings, and address that. But we are also different than China. You know, we have strong values, um, and I do think that AI. We need to make sure that any technology, and particularly one like artificial intelligence, um, serves us 
and our values. And so we need to have a discussion how we ensure that. So I do think that's an important discussion. And I wouldn't play that off against each other. But I do agree um, that uh, I also see that in the debate in Germany, that there tends to be too much emphasis on, on ethics mm. and, and regulation. And we need to also um, make, um, increase our efforts um, to develop and implement it. Mm. Because in the end, otherwise, we end up like with the first you know, internet economy. Right. It was developed by other, you know, the internet economy came out of the U.S. and it was developed with their ideas about data yeah. protection and privacy. And then we've been struggling for over a decade kind of to regulate that. And, um, yeah. uh, and I think it's better, you know, that everybody talks about privacy by design is much better than by regulation. And I think for AI, the same holds. You know, we, we rather so want to build it. Um, uh, sorry, Adrian, yeah. we rather want to build it in according to our values, so we need to have those capabilities, but we also need to discuss what that means. Because it seems that we in Europe have settled into a role as being a police officer or a regulator for other people's technology. So everybody talks fairly admiringly in mm. the US about the EU and how it is uh, putting manners on the excesses of the big social networking companies, in particular, uh, uh, you know, Google and in particular Facebook. And we do get some kudos for that. But on the other hand, other than maybe Spotify, one or two mobile technology companies, um, and maybe some engineering companies, I can think of some, some other music companies as well, it, you know, we're not at the table in actually building these companies. We're all, I'm just wondering, is that going to be our role with AI to essentially seed most of the development phase to the US and China, let them come up with all the technologies and the networks, and then us to say, no, you can't do this. Oh, no, you can't. Oh, no. Well, you you may think you're building that, mm -hmm. but you're not, you're not launching that into, into our economy. And, and even if, those rules become worldwide, you know, we're really a service professional uh, mm. at the table rather than an inventor. I, do you think that's going to be our role? That would be a very dangerous place to be because um, this is a, this is a multi-purpose technology and we can talk um, more about that. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, it's going to be so important for creating economic value and, you know, the wealth we have in Europe is based on a strong, economic and industrial foundation and we need to make sure that we keep that um, in the 21st century so just you know sitting there and and having ethical debates and making good regulations is, is not going to be good enough because we also have to worry about how do we um, create jobs and opportunities um, for people in the EU mm -hmm. and for that we need to be innovative um, we need to be, be good and uh, about new technologies and we need to be competing with the US and China mm -hmm. there's no doubt about that so I, I agree with you we can't be just the the policemen for new technologies um, globally like we have you know GDPR it's a big success story if you look at mm -hmm. how that sets a global standard that's great but um, that's not um, good enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The other uh, observation one might make about a lot of technologies over the last 30 to 40 years, including the internet, is that they largely, not exclusively, come about either from as byproducts of a defense industry or uh, of some big, huge uh, conglomerates that have massive research and development um, budgets in Europe the in Europe the equivalent that we have is the pharmaceutical companies they do come up with a lot of drugs and a lot of uh, new new products because they invest so much it strikes me that 
a lot of what we're doing, and maybe you might uh, comment on this, because I think you're going to be touching on this in your talk to the um, Institute of uh, uh, European International Affairs here in Dublin, is what are we getting right and wrong in Europe when it comes to trying to foster development of AI? Is there enough money? Is there enough private money going into it? Are we trying to foster a kind of a state-led committee system by which we try and encourage the development of AI while kind of ignoring where most of the the, the research usually comes from, i.e. big companies and, de and defense industries? So I think, first, we, we have everything here that we need to succeed. And the most important element um, for an AI company is talent. You know, that's why everybody talks about right now that there's a fierce competition for talent going on. And we have a lot of talent in Europe. We have um, very good universities. We have very good public education systems that give lots of people opportunities to acquire good skills. Do, the, do they not often go to, that's, over to that's the US where we get, that's, that's where we get to the problem, yeah. right? The, the challenge for us is, okay, we, got, we actually got the good educational systems. We get good universities with, with top professors working in the field. Now we need to make sure that they have more opportunities um, in Europe. I mean, one indicator that Europe has the talent is the trend for the big tech companies for Silicon Valley to not uh, to put their research and development into Europe. Yeah. Like, for example, if I take the example of Germany, mm -hmm. Amazon is making Germany its global hub for AI. IBM, it's building its global IoT and AI center in Munich. Mm. So these companies are coming because um, they see that the talent pipeline is drying up and you know the, the success of Silicon Valley was built on attracting the best talent globally mm. and you know with the restrictions on immigration, which the new political climate in the Trump administration, you know they see that they need to come abroad. Mm. And that's a good indicator. I mean, that's a good sign that they're coming to Europe and investing heavily here mm -hmm. because they see we got the talent. But you know, of course, we also want to have um, this talent working for our own homegrown industry yeah so we see um in germany now that traditional industry is starting to to invest more seriously in the space i mean the leader in, uh, in germany would probably be bosch who said that you know they they want to have in the next few years they want to hire three thousand ai experts huh. so they are starting to compete what would bosch be developing ai for autonomous driving so ah. bosch is um uh, one of the biggest suppliers for um, the automobile sector. And they also um, do a lot of home appliances. And there we get into the Internet of Things um, you know, world. Uh, and all these things get connected now. They get smart. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, they're worried about just integrating their stuff into a Google Nest or um, Amazon Home, right? They want to build their own platforms. They want to have their own smart software. Mm -hmm. And so they're investing heavily in that space. Do you and think? Do you think down the line, this is kind of by the by, mm. that that will work? I, I'm reminded of the car companies. Mm. I just switched my car recently, and it's a German made. It's a Skoda, so it's, mm. a, it's a German owned uh, mm. car. But I'm reminded of how car companies constantly give you the technology that was big five or six years ago. So this this is a this is a one year old car. It's almost new. It's a, and has reasonable spec in it. And it has a DVD player in it. Not just a CD player, a DVD player. Like most people stopped using DVDs about three or four years ago. The point I'm getting to here is a lot of cars also try and, uh, uh, 
you know, create their own entertainment ecosystems. Uh, whereas what most people would probably end up using over time will either be CarPlay from Apple or whatever the Android equivalent is, Android Auto or whatever, whatever it's called. I'm just wondering, do, do we think that that will work? If Bosch or Siemens or Miele or any of the big companies try to create an ecosystem themselves, is that kind of wasted money down the line? Can they really compete with Google and Amazon? That's that's a very good question. I th I think um, the the answer to that is is still out. I mean, yeah. I think I, I think the car companies need to think more seriously about it. They probably need to cooperate more in the space. And you start seeing that you know you get auto alliances, global ones. You know, yeah. of the big car companies starting to cooperate because they mm -hmm. see well, in order to you know compete with Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. you know, and and the resources and expertise they got, um, we can't even do it alone. And we're talking about mm -hmm. you know billion euro companies um, that we'll are doing We see with the TV this. manufacturers as well. If you've bought a new telly in the last five or six years, five or six years ago, most of them were trying to sell these fantastic new smart ecosystems that they were plowing loads of money into themselves. But, you know, individually, unless you're LG or Samsung, even companies like Sony don't really have the money to invest in that anymore. So they're just hooking up with Google right. to use... A version of Android uh, on, on on their televisions, um, but I'm curious where where you see artificial intelligence uh, going in Europe in the next few years. So we've got this investment coming into to Germany, as you say, and I think you you take an interest in what Germany should be doing within the right. European and what the European Union should be, uh, how it should be relating to member states. Um, what could a country, and I'm really going to put you on the spot here, what could a country like Ireland um, do conceivably <clears throat> in the area of artificial intelligence? I think the Irish uh, need to um, uh, know this best, or, and this is my whole point. Um, I'm a little bit worried at the moment that we have parallel discussions going on in Brussels and in the member states, mm. and there are roles for Brussels to play, and there are roles for the member states. But in the end, it's all about it's all about ecosystems. You know, it's about um, the relationships between research, between entrepreneurs and startups, between the VC community, uh, VC community, and the big companies. And those are local relationships mm -hmm. that need to be injected with AI expertise. And um, so, in, in in Germany, we see that we are making our own strategy, and it's based on what we're mostly concerned about. It's it's manufacturing, it's the industrial base, yeah. and that's still you know creating a lot of wealth and and, and driving our economy. So, mm -hmm. I, our AI strategy is really focused on how do we also we have a lot of small and medium sized companies. You know, how do we set up mm -hmm. supporting policies to help them figure out AI. Mm -hmm. Right. I think the story would be very different for a country like Ireland. You know, you would have to look at, I mean, you have a, already an, a thriving tech sector and startup sector. Yep. You need to look at, you know, how AI is relevant there mm -hmm. and, and, and make your, you know, strategy accordingly. I think the, Yeah, the it seems to me that from the big multinationals that are here, the companies you've just mentioned, mm -hmm. Amazon, that they're here in Ireland, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, mm -hmm. Google and Facebook between them, just those two companies now employ 10,000 people in a kind of a one-mile area in Dublin. They're heading towards 14 or 15,000 people. A lot of other companies, uh, you know, LinkedIn, HubSpot, uh, are, are right behind them in here. And maybe what can happen there is that they start getting projects from the west coast of the US to work on here to engineer and 
you know, some uh, skills come out of that and, and then uh, uh, bigger projects come along and then, uh, and then in time maybe Ireland gets uh, what Germany, what you say Germany is getting, which is uh, that some of the big companies are basing their hubs, their artificial intelligence hubs there, or the, you know, the, it's kind of a heightening of skills. It does strike me, though, that Germany makes so many things for so many things, like an airplane or a car. So many of the small little bolts and nuts and parts and that, that go into are made, so many of them are made by German companies, that there's a natural base there for artificial intelligence to take root because... You know, there are physical factories. Germany makes things. There's not that many countries that make things anymore. And artificial intelligence can probably help, can, can probably help that. So there is a natural application. Ireland doesn't really make much. Um, you know, we're... But, but, I, but I think the, the, the impact on service industries is often... Uh, or is sometimes, in Germany, we tend to underestimate that. Mm. You know, if we think, I mean, even in Germany, the majority of the employment is also in the service industry. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the, the industrial sector is like 20% of GDP, which is still comparatively high and, yeah. and high in the European, higher than the European average. But you know, the majority of people don't work, um, you know, for the car makers or the machine makers mm-hmm. um, or building airplanes with, with Airbus. Mm-hmm. Most of the people work in, in, in service Right. And um, you see a lot of transformation there. I think you um, um, you saw it first with media. I mean, it's a field that you know very well. You know how how technology has changed that, yep. and um, we are seeing it now um, very strongly in the banking sector in Germany. Mm. So we have you know most people do everything online now. We have yep. a lot of people still being trained to work in physical banks, mm-hmm. and these these jobs won't be there anymore. Have you ever have you ever gone into a bank, Reese? Have you gone into a bank recently, an actual bank branch? No, I don't go, and, and that's the I, question I usually well, ask people. I, I I actually went into one for the first time in over a year, and it was when I was changing my car because what you have to do, you trade in your car, and then you get a bank draft uh, or finance or whatever, and to get a bank draft, you have to physically walk into the bank. Um, and go up to the teller behind the window and say, hi, um, I'm buying a car. Uh, they, they want this much. I need to get that much. And that's what you do. But it was, I, 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 I didn't know what to do. I walked in and I didn't know where to turn, who to ask, what to do. Because it's been, the banks have changed so much from being staffed by human beings to essentially being, it's not even on a computer, it's on your phone now, right. the whole thing, Right. Right. Um, and now people are getting Revolut cards, and the payments industry is is changing. And we see it. We see it in in the insurance industry. Mm. Um, we see it um, in, in in many different fields, even the health sector. What's possible now? But it's I. It's a lot of talk is in, and a lot of concern is about job replacement. Yeah. Um, I'm concerned about that too, and there's going to be job losses but mm-hmm. you know the biggest potential is in the com- combination of human skills and um, computer driven artificial skills artificial mm-hmm. intelligence you know we see it with doctors i would you know a doctor's ability to diagnose can be enhanced mm-hmm. but we still need the critical human understanding we don't have anything like general intelligence you know the idea mm-hmm. um, 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 the ability to really critically question what you're getting and to translate what you see there into other fields no computer machine is currently capable Do you, of doing that and yeah. that's even in the even even in the industry there's a huge opportunity 
for Europe there as um, we have a very high trained workforces. You know, that's the strength of Germany. And we now need to make sure that these trained workforces can work with augmented reality, that they mm -hmm. can understand um, how machine learning works, mm -hmm. how these systems work so that they can troubleshoot them and help improve them. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's that interrelationship between technology and, and human beings that really generates value. And I think this is, for example, a point where we can beat the Chinese. Um, because they're still working still in sort of tailoristic modes in their mm. companies, you know, it's still um, very old-fashioned mass production. And we have already moved to much higher skilled um, production types and enhancing those um, with artif uh, artificial intelligence, making them smarter, making the processes more lean is a huge opportunity for us that we definitely need to take and not leave to the Chinese, for example. One of the fears that people who comment on this discussion sometimes say is that they're worried that when China, and I don't want to single out China mm. here, but it is part of this debate, that when China sets its mind to something, it is very, very good at getting ahead very quickly. And the example that's used right now at the moment in the news is mobile technology and 5G in particular. The Americans and the West in general is freaked out that Huawei, uh, one Chinese company, and to a lesser extent ZTE, has taken a significant lead in 5G technology because it's been investing in it for years and it's been building up its capability for years. It now is the second uh, highest selling handset manufacturer in the world. It makes really good smartphones. People, it's in Ireland, they, they sell really, really well. Um, and for all of our educated workforce and our natural advantages that we have in, here in Europe, people are looking at what happened to 5G and mobile technology and thinking, if China applies that systematic approach to artificial intelligence, then absolutely it's going to uh, take the lead in five or 10 years. Is that a reasonable point? Yeah, it's, it's certainly something that we need to, to look at. I mean, also, I think um, what was also interesting in this 5G debate was when President Trump um, banned ZTE yeah. from getting access to U.S. chips. Mm -hmm. You know, th the company was in disarray. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're still, you know, we talk about their lead in, in 5G, but there's still very critical parts of 5G technology where the Chinese companies are still reliant mm -hmm. on U.S. technology. Mm -hmm. The problem is, you know, you see that we're just talking about the U.S. and yeah. China. Where's yeah. Europe in all this? Yeah. Right. And I, I think we're starting to have a discussion um, on um, having more an industrial policy approach, you know. And, and um, the German ep economic minister just yesterday talked about the need for stronger industrial policy, for um, thinking about our interest um, more strongly. We see that's currently the trend. You know, mm -hmm. you know we have been through an area, era of very strong globalization, open markets. Germany and the EU has benefited very strongly from it. Mm -hmm. But we also see that you know, the Chinese are really strong in this techno technology sector because they're not playing... On, on, on a fair level with us, right? They're not giving our companies the same market access that we are and th that they are that they want here. I mean, European like Nokia, um, for example, yeah. would be banned from from building mobile networks mm -hmm. um, in China. And I think we need to, you know, we need to look at this carefully at that relationship so with China think, and, and, and really yeah. think about how we are how we bring the weight of the European economy more strongly into those discussions with China and also where we need to protect our own interests a little bit more strongly. So, so many politicians uh, often make that point and say that actually this is part of a wider industrial engagement with mm. China and sometimes we need to escalate these things 
up to a, a trade, political, diplomatic uh, level, because without doing that, Nokia ends up not being able to get a look in to build any kind of network in China. Um, See, so that's inevitable then. We're going to have to do that, are we? We do. We, we, we do need a more long-term... I mean, China, that's their advantage. They really, have, they really play a long-term game mm. and they have a long-term strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, you know their um, AI strategy. It's a plan until 2030. They want to yep. be a global leader. So they think long-term about it and we think about it very short-term. Yeah. And uh, we need to think about long-term, what, what should our relationship with China be? What are our critical interests? What are critical infrastructures where we don't want to be dependent on foreign technology? I think the, the Huawei debate is, is led way too narrowly. Mm. Everybody is worried about espionage. Mm -hmm. But I, I, um, you know, if they want to do industrial espionage, there are much better ways for them to get direct access, you know, send you phishing emails and, and compromise your systems. They don't need to be in your mobile network to do right. that. Mm -hmm. The larger question is that they, are going to control, uh, that they are going to be the main vendor for critical infrastructure, 5G, that's going to connect our industries, our cars, yep. our home appliances. And if we are in a conflict with China, mm. and, and we already have a lot of conflicts with them, mm. and political ones, you know, they have a lot of leverage over us. Mm -hmm. I mean, they could, you know, the, the, the worry would be that, you know, they could sabotage that system, that that could be turned off in a crisis. That's and assuming that, they're, that they remain that integrated. That's, there's always a big assumption there that a company like Huawei or ZTE or any big Chinese company is close enough integrate, closely enough integrated with the Chinese Communist Party, that they would act in unison. Now, I've had people on this podcast before mm. who have argued that point, who have said that they believe that that is the case. Um, it's my job to, 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 to ask, is it the case? Uh, I, I haven't seen any direct evidence, but, but certainly people... No, it's, would, it's, would it's a risk. I mean, uh, nobody... It's a risk that yeah. we have to calculate. And we need to think about what kind of risks are we willing mm. to take. You know, mm. So in, in Germany, we have the discussion... You know, is there, can we differentiate between a core network mm. where we don't want Huawei to be part of it and a wider network where it's not as critical, mm. right? And that's these, these kind of conversations we need, um, we need to have and we need to have a long-term and then we need to think about it in also more long-term. What are the kind of technologies that we really need to have also in uh, European vendors? That doesn't mean that we only prescribe everyone to buy from, from Nokia or any other a European supplier, but we need to think about is there certain technologies where we really need to invest and build our own um, capabilities to not become completely dependent. And that's, you know, for example, why um, the EU has put up a big um, battery program because they see batteries, you know, for especially for mobility, e-mobility yep. solutions is very critical. And right now Europe is behind and, mm -hmm. and it is another field um, where China has, has made a huge leap forward and, mm -hmm. and we are becoming very reliant on Chinese technology. So bringing it back to artificial intelligence in particular, um, having spent the last few minutes talking about the danger of a connected 5G network that is built on Chinese technology, if the same thing were to happen uh, in five or 10 years time or 15 or 20 years time with um, Chinese artificial intelligence uh, technology, what kind of a negative scenario would Europe see in that case? Like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, people make the argument, you were hinting at mm -hmm. it a moment ago, that if all of the 5G networks, for example, were, 
were Chinese, that theoretically someone could turn a switch off in a conflict situation and really disrupt communications around in the West, in the US or the EU. If artificial intelligence, if key um, segments of the many different strands of artificial intelligence technology, uh, if Chinese companies develop a substantial lead there, what, what is the worry from, from our point of view? Other than an industrial or an economic, what, what's the worry? Is, is there... Like, is there a strategic or a defense worry there, for example? Well, I mean, I think there are worries on, on, on different levels. One, one is that these are going to be, um, f in terms of um, the value chain, in, uh, the industrial value chain, there will be a lot of value will be created there yeah. that we are leaving to foreign co companies that, that benefit from that and that will drive their employment and, and opportunities and that's just from an economic perspective. From a political one, I would I would look globally. I would include the U.S. and I, I would be very worried. I mean, I was very worried when I saw um, the conflict um, with CTE yeah. um, that's currently going on. And the the U.S. has determined AI a critical technology mm -hmm. in um, in their um, foreign investment regulations, so that they can block investments, for example, or can they can also block exports. Mm. And a lot of a lot of machine learning AI capabilities from the from from the Amazons and Googles and so on. You know, a lot of them are provided over the cloud. It's a very convenient service for customers and Europeans. But you know, what if at some point this is deemed critical and it's said like turned off in a way, right? I mean, that's why you already see um, a lot of these companies building infrastructure over here. You know, to 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 make um, customers less worried that this could happen. But we are moving, unfortunately, now for me, really unfortunately. But we can't. We have, we have to deal with that. We're moving into a much more volatile um, global uh, yeah. world, where technology is, is 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 becoming so integrated across our economy and society that it becomes a very. It, it is not only an important. Um, economic lever but also a very important political one mm. and and we have to deal with this so that gets you into more like a, a geo strategic um, mm. um discussion of, of um how should europe deal with that and i think we are just starting to have these kinds of conversations because a few years ago we weren't really worried about that and i think um you know the aggressive um, um the aggressive advancements that china has been making and then also you know the the, the new situation transatlantically with the election of, of Trump and with some other worrisome elections um, globally, and even in Europe, we're not in the best shape. You know, you, you, you start to worry, where's this leading and what role will technology play in these um, future political conflicts? Well, one thing it's leading to is a lot of big com countries are demanding that uh, commonly used internet services host or locate their servers in their company. The story just this week that where Apple admitted that it had complied with a Russian law to host uh, its servers within Russia for Apple services, undoubtedly securely and all the rest of it. But nevertheless, countries are now starting to become distrustful of the potential in the future for other rival blocks or countries to do exactly what you're saying, yeah. to switch, switch, uh, switch services off. Um, just before we finish up, so we spoke, we touched on ethics and values earlier on, and uh, I certainly didn't mean to, to, to suggest that we shouldn't take these things into consideration. It, it is a, 
a matter of pride that we do think about these things. I prefer that um, we did um, than we didn't. Um, um, uh, I actually, I actually do think um, so. The the uh, European Union has they have um, set up an an expert group of uh, high they call it high level expert group. It's like leading. They're always high level. Yes, aren't they? they're never just experts. <laughs> they're high level experts <laughs> right. because you can have low level experts and high level experts. At the at the EU level, everything is high level. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but they have the re- like, like some really smart people in that group from from across the EU, and I do like their approach of trusted AI, and I do actually think that's a smart approach because in terms of getting people to take up these technologies, they need to trust it, right? And why? I mean, we don't understand all the technology in a car or a bus or a plane, mm-hmm. but we go into it, yep. uh, and 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 we enter it and we use these technologies. And with AI, it's the, uh, the same thing, and they talk about. Um, two ways how we how we build trust. One is thinking about these ethical principles and and making sure that we develop um, a technology that serves us and our goals. Mm-hmm. And the other one um, is um, on a on a, t- a technical level. How do we ensure that? You know, how do we get? You know, what kind of transparency and explainability can we can we develop on a technical level? And then also on a governance level. You know, what should, you know, people who develop AI systems, what do they need to think about, you know, when they deal with training data, you know, how do they, what kind of concepts do they need to make sure it's diverse, what could be the biases that they can find in the training data. So I think they do have some good ideas um, in that. And, um, but I agree with the report you cited at the beginning, um, that the regulation will need to be sector specific and right. that we need to look at you know we have health sector regulation we wouldn't put out a drug into the market before it's tested and if if there's a cancer diagnosis of course it needs to be tested i don't want you know some appliance to test me for cancer and i get like some serious treatment and then it turns out i didn't have cancer right we want to be we want to be we want to trust that that technology that those diagnoses that's based on machine learning works and so we need to talk about you know what what are ways for example to test um, AI-based um, diagnoses in, in the health sector so that um, patients can trust um, um, the diagnosis that come out of it. So I do think that that um, conversation is actually helpful. And, you know, the German perspective is, is, is probably a little bit peculiar on this because we had, you know, we had a very strong environmental movement. Um, um, in Germany, there's uh, skepticisms about technologies like gene modifications yeah. and, and and gene modified foods and things like that, and I think it must be a hell of a conversation around CRISPR then, <laughs> uh, in Germany at the moment. Yes, yes, and and um and and so people want to know and they want to understand and they want to they want to make sure that the government um, plays its role mm. to set up institutions and governance principles that can give people trust that it's safe to use these technologies. And um, I, I do think that that could be um, uh, a special opportunity or a unique selling point. But as we said at the beginning, we can't just rely on that. On the same time, we need to increase our investments and we need to um, uh, improve our transfer from the best research that we have into commercialization. And that those uh, we didn't really get into those very much, but those are really the big um, challenges. And we didn't even get into Elon Musk and <laughs> Professor Stephen Hawking and how killer robots are going to uh, use artificial intelligence to murder us in our beds. But that's unfortunately all we have time for. 
today, thank you very much, Dr. Stefan Hoyman uh, of SNV, who is at, uh, speaking today at the Institute of International and European Affairs here on Dublin on the topic of artificial intelligence. And that's all we have time for this week, folks. Please do listen at the same time um, next week. And thanks, as always, for tuning in. But for me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, bye-bye.